State heads into the second half of their season this week when they host Illinois for homecoming at noon at Beaver Stadium. It's a critical stretch run for the Nittany Lions, who are now seventh in the AP poll after a off week where they, I think they went up two spots or one spot because of losses ahead of them. Either way, they're still a top 10 team. They only have one loss in the season. They have quality wins to begin the year. But as we know, the Big Ten East is a complete meat grinder. And this year, there are teams down the stretch that have improved from 2020 and 2019. So Penn State's going to have to play at a similar level in the second half, if not maybe a little better, to maintain the pace that they've started so far. So with that in mind, and some of the things that happened against Iowa, we're going to take a look at the five players that Penn State needs to have play better in the second half of the season. They need to have step up so they can get to where they want to be when it comes to their record their chances at bowls, their chances at a college football playoff, all those things. If all of those things are going to be a reality, they need at least some of these five players to play better than they've been playing so far this season. And the one, the two quick caveats. We took a deep dive into the offensive line and improving the run game last week. So we're setting the run game and the offensive line to the side, seeing we've already discussed that. Also, this is considering that Taquan Roberson is going to start at least this game this week, if not more in the future. So that's two important things to understand about this list and kind of how to view it going in. That's what we're doing today on the BWI Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. If you haven't yet, hit subscribe on our YouTube channel. Okay, coming in at number five, Keziah Izzard. Obviously, we spent a lot of time talking about how the offense should operate without Sean Clifford and how it needs to evolve or change in order to function with backup quarterback Taquan Roberson. But maybe not equally as big of a loss, but maybe on the defensive side, equally as big of a loss is Mustafa. And we haven't really talked about how you replace a guy that when he left the field was second in the nation in, in stops and second in the nation in tackles from the defensive line position from the interior. That's a huge problem. And I'm going to rip the Band-Aid off here. There is no replacing P.J. Mustafer. There's no player on this list that if they just play a little bit better is going to equate to what he was doing. Even Derek Tangelo, who has been playing well this season, does not have the physical tools that Mustafer does. Watching the film of how he played so far this year and kind of digging into what they were doing along the defensive line and what they're going to have to replace... It's going to be tough. 325 pounds, he was able to take on double teams. But some of the things that he was doing as far as uh, the the schematic stuff they were doing with Mustafa and Tangelo, I don't think you're going to replace that. I don't think you're going to have as much of an advanced level of a defensive front when it comes to run stunting and the ability to change gaps and win gaps just from that one player. Mustafa was an advanced uh, player when it comes to his hand usage, his ability to shed blocks and slip into areas that he's much smaller than to make the tackle, uh, to gain leverage on the right, on the correct side of the offensive lineman, and to to push and to fold the pocket. He was good at all of those things. Now, as a pass rusher or as a guy that was trying to get off blocks when he was double teamed to make plays, 
he wasn't perfect. This isn't a guy that was playing at an elite level, but as far as what he was doing for the defense, he was one of the linchpins that made everything else work. His ability, his quickness at 323 to 325 pounds was super impressive. His ability to do those things, that's what you're not going to have from one player. Now, there is good news. P.J. Mustafer's backup is already playing. It's Derek Tangelo. When Mustafer would come off the field, they would just move Tangelo over to that 2 eye position and have one of the younger defensive tackles play the three technique. Now, this is also with the understanding that Penn State went to a little bit more of a defined role when it comes to what their nose tackle in their four down front is versus their three technique. But alignment on the football field, personnel, uh, defensive and offensive personnel, by the way, and then literally the play you've called all changed the alignment for the defense up front. So it's not like one guy was lining up in one position the entire time. And that's really what this is about, is that you were able to do a lot of that stuff, do a lot of scheming and disguising, and free up your linebackers just from that. Not just with winning double teams and holding linemen, but also the challenges of making the other team make mistakes in their blocking assignments. All of that's going to take a step back, and it did against Iowa when you saw Mustafa come out and they had to play those young tackles more often and together, which was part of the problem. They were doing less of that, which meant it was it was hero time for uh, Ellis Brooks, who stepped up to the challenge in the run game. Going forward, somebody is going to have to play... Uh, the sum of the parts is going to have to be better than the individual pieces. And right now, if you want to lift the floor of that group, Kaziah Izzard, as far as the players that have seen the, have seen the field so far, has the has the most low end plays. He's in double teams. If you want to see traditional pancake blocks of a dude just getting pushed over, falling to the ground, six three, two hundred ninety five pounds, big guy. His frame and his potential is much more in line with Mustafer, But right now, he's just really young, a converted defensive end who's still learning how to play with leverage and with pad level and with more interactions from multiple angles on the interior, something very different than on the outside where he was playing in high school. So he's struggling a bit in those situations. Maybe the reps, maybe the week off, whatever it is, something in that area has to improve. His lower body strength, his power and all those things to hold up against double teams, again, like we'll get to a little bit later with another player, that's not going to happen during the season. Playing technically better and mentally better can happen during the season and that's where he's got to take some big strides i think devon ellies has been playing closer to his level of expected play now he's not been great but i think he's closer at 6'1 300 pounds a stout tough player that is active good hands again he got injured and didn't was able to use one side of his body against iowa which they took advantage of so him being healthy and playing consistently will help. But if you want to get more out of the defensive tackle position, you're not going to have a guy that can do all of those things that Mustafer did. But if you have everyone playing reasonably well, that is one area that I think Penn State can take a little bit of a step forward is if Kazai Izzard throughout his reps in the second half of the season, which by definition have to increase, if he plays better in those, that's going to be a benefit to the Penn State defense and they won't take as big of a step back at that defensive tackle position. Now, for all of those reasons, for all of those problems and all of those headaches that P.J. Mustafer caused and created an advantage for the defense, the linebackers have to play that much better. Specifically, Brandon Smith. 
We've talked about this several times in a bunch of different places, from my film reviews of uh, specific games so far this season, down to we've talked about on the Daily Edition and some live shows that Brandon Smith has not been playing well against the run in the box. And we were talking about it earlier this year that it's going to get better, right? You would expect a guy who's smart and hardworking like Brandon Smith to eventually have the light come on when it comes to playing physically in the tackle box. And that has not happened so far this season, especially in that game against Iowa where he had to take a step forward. A lot of times when you're looking for where's the guy that's out of his alignment or that's getting beat on a play, you don't have to look very far and it's Brandon Smith. Now, it is strange that a guy who has 33-plus-inch arms, 250 pounds almost, would be not physical. But that's really the problem, is that Brandon Smith is playing smaller than he is in the box. He doesn't seem to initiate or to uh, enjoy contact. And that's always dangerous, because football is a very violent physical game. And I'm not sitting here going to question another man's toughness. I think to get on the football field in general, you have to be one of the toughest guys on the planet. But... And I know that it kind of undercuts everything to say, but in that group of players, he has not been playing physically up to his potential. That has to happen going down the next half of the season. Now, one of the, maybe one of the benefits is that they're going to be playing less traditional run teams. You don't normally get Wisconsin, Auburn, and then Iowa in the, in the, in the span of six games as far as concussive run teams that just don't care about efficiency. They just want to run the ball and football. Hashtag old school. There's going to be teams that are going to be a little bit more uh, spread offenses in the second half. And that has been much more of Brandon Smith and his strengths of running to the football, being in space, making a tackle, making a big hit in contact in space. Uh, so that is that is possibly an area where it's just going to naturally improve because of the teams he's playing, but you're going to still have to take on guards. There are still going to be talented teams, and the defensive line is not going to be as good. So there's going to be less free runs at the running back or the ball carrier. Being able to play through contact, use those long arms to disengage, be on the correct side of the lineman when you take on blocks. All of these things he needs to get better at, and that's going to be an area he has to step up because uh, if if this team is being going to be captained by Taquan Roberson for an extended period of time, everyone needs to play better. But specifically amongst the starters, especially on the defensive side of the ball, in this area, Brandon Smith, he's the one we're going to single out as needing to play better moving forward. So now we're going to switch over to the offensive side of the ball, and again, we're going to consider the fact that at least for this game, if not a couple more, Somebody else is going to be a quarterback other than Sean Clifford, and we're going to start with Brenton Strange as our first skill position player, which is where we're looking, of players that need to step up. Brenton Strange right now has more drops with three than broken tackles with two. Now, part of this is absolutely his usage so far this season. He has less than 20 targets, so the target distribution has gone almost exactly what we talked about before the season, when you look at Mike Yurcich's offenses and where the targets go, primarily to the receivers, primarily to the boundary receivers, is where most of the targets go in Yurcich's offense. And that's held up pretty much to the case that Jahan Dotson is far and away the most targeted receiver. Behind him, Parker Washington. Now, they've been using Washington a little bit differently than in previous iterations of this team. But outside of those two who have been playing well, it's all been a little bit below average when it comes to the other skill position receivers, primarily Keandre Lambert-Smith and 
uh, Brenton Strange. Now, the reason we're talking about Strange is because tight ends can provide some security blankets and some easy throws to quarterbacks that don't have to then read difficult things down the field and place the ball into tight windows. Keandre Lambert-Smith had been a deep receiver so far this year. So are you expecting your backup quarterback to then be slinging it? That's what we're talking about, that maybe we're not expecting that. So then uh, the targets that you've given to your tight end, if they increase, the output then has to increase. And Brenton Strange has always been a quick, explosive, twitchy sort of runner, and he's only broken two tackles so far this season. And yeah, part of it is he hasn't gotten a lot of receptions, and he's been open with the ability to run after the catch, but... The other guys have gotten the football, and and when you're when it's all working, and when Sean Clifford is dealing to Dotson and Washington, it doesn't matter. But now it does. Now all of these plays, and yes, two of those drops came last week. You'd expect that relationship between uh, Strange and his quarterback in Roberson to be better going forward. But it, ha- it that's the point. It has to be. It, he has to play a little bit better and convert those third and shorts when you have matchup advantages because he can be a matchup advantage weapon. Now, you can really put any of the uh, other pass catchers in this bucket, but uh, Strange, the one who has the most opportunity outside of Keandre Lambert-Smith and his specific skill set, that's who we're going with here. Okay, next position. I know you're expecting this one. Running back. Literally any running back. I don't care at this point. We've had this conversation about this committee. I don't care if it's one player or three players when it comes to which player needs to step up, but one of them does. We'll get into each one and what they're facing, but it doesn't matter. Pick your favorite, whichever one you think is going to be the actual answer. We'll start with Noah Kane because he's gotten the most uh, carries so far this season of any of the runners, and that's been the problem, is that Noah Kane has not been efficient when he's carried the football. We covered the fact that the offensive line isn't creating consistent holes and that creating a ton of space for the for the players to run. So making up for that after the ball is in your hands and you've run into a player breaking tackles and getting yards after contact is critical. Right now, Noah Kane is dead last in the Big Ten in yards per carry after contact. It's just under 1.6 yards, 1.57 that is, consider the fact that if you fall forward like a tradi- traditional running back, you get two. So two is like the baseline. And then anything below that is below average. So Noah Kane, the week off to heal up from whatever injury he had during the first half of the season against Auburn is what we, we were told. That's going to be important. But Noah Kane the, that you remember from 2019, the guy that can wiggle and then run through players, I don't think that guy's coming back this year at the very earliest. You're not going to be able to get that level of strength back into your legs after multiple lower body injuries and no time to actually train them because you've been rehabbing. So what he has to bring to the table is vision, patience, and not losing yards. He's been doing all of that, but just eke out, get to close to three. Make one guy miss, fall forward, convert those third and shorts, and that Penn State's offense gets to stay on the field and more opportunities for other players. That's really what he's got to be. And then if you can get a big hole, take advantage of it, hit it, and run. And uh, we've seen him able to do that a couple times this season. If he's back to being healthy and not currently injured, I do think he has enough speed to make that happen. We saw the big plays, the elusiveness when he gets into the open field, and as a receiver. Those are things that have been missing uh, since week three this season. So any of that stuff, bring any of that to the the table, and Penn State's overall offense is better. 
And it is better when Noah Kane is healthy. There's no way around it. He's the best all-around player at that position. Now, when it comes to above-average play and the ability to do a little bit more, Kevon Lee clearly has been the best pure runner of this group so far. Referencing what we just talked about, Kevon Lee has over three and a half, almost three and a half yards after contact per carry. So he's creating yardage outside of what the offensive line and the tight ends are giving him. That's good. The problem is the vision and the patience and the maturity for the redshirt freshman running back are not there yet. The two fumbles, very obvious. Uh, the the other part is is the short yardage situations where Noah Kane can't move the pile. Kevon Lee can't find the spot to then move the pile. Talked about this again in multiple different places of his high pad level at contact, some of the problems he has when it comes to finding the hole. Any of these things, if they improve, then he's going to be... The problem is fixed. When it comes to what he needs to do, simply get downhill, be violent at contact, and get four yards of carry. That's that's what he needs to do. The problem is, right now, if you look at those numbers, a lot of that has been inflated by the fact that uh, 32% of his yards have come on exactly two runs. So that the consistency and the efficiency outside of the big plays absolutely has to improve. And then finally, we're going to cut the list off at John Lovett who just hasn't been healthy this year. Uh, He missed the first part of the season. Then he uh, came out of the Iowa game after no contact that we saw. We did not see him. Everyone was very confused and surprised that John Lovett came out of that game. So is he healthy now after the bye week? Is he going to contribute? He's been the most mature, patient runner with health on his side when he's been on the field, as opposed to Noah Kane. But he's not a game-breaking player either. He needs it blocked up well for him to get those big plays. Now, again, he's been more efficient than the other guys. But as long as he's healthy and on the field and available, he's providing a benefit. So any of those scenarios for Penn State at the running back position have to work out. They have to get better. And then finally, the last player that needs to step up in the second half of the season for Penn State to to reach the level that they did in the first half is Jahan Dotson. And I know what you're thinking. He's their best offensive player. He's been lights out. What is? What are you talking about? And he has. You're right. And this is where it becomes a little bit unfair. But for Penn State to score against teams that are unafraid to score points, he's going to have to get those deep passes. And yes, it is absolutely true that he has more targets behind the line of scrimmage as of last week before the bye, than any other receiver in the Big Ten. He's been Penn State's running game and their passing game. He's been shouldering the load. But when you're going against Ohio State or even Maryland, you're not facing teams that want to run the ball 38 to 40 times a game. These teams want to score points. They have the similar mold of what Penn State's been trying to do on offense. And again, it's a meat grinder in the Big Ten East. So when it comes to the deep targets, this has to get better. And it's not all his fault. And it's not even saying it's his fault at all. He needs on-target passes down the football field. But it doesn't matter how you slice it. When it comes to the deep passes, if you take a look at a, a breakdown of where his targets and yards have come from, the majority of his deep targets have come in exactly two games, Villanova and Wisconsin to begin the season. Now, part of that is every team decided afterwards they're taking away Jahan Dotson because of what he did almost single-handedly, along with Jaquan Brisker, bringing Penn State back into and then winning that football game. But if if that's going to be the thing, he's still got to be able to beat the coverage, he's still got to be able to get open, and in contested catches down the field, 
He has to he has to come down with the football. He's 0 for 2 on deep targets so far this season. And again, not to hammer this point home, but 173 of his 195 deep yards have come against Villanova and Wisconsin. So he hasn't had a deep game where he's caught the ball uh, since Wisconsin against a Power 5 team. So that's a problem, that the, the consistency and the efficiency of the deep ball is not there right now for Penn State, at least on passes that are targeted down the field, where you're getting those yards immediately. It's not a catch and run with broken tackles and a little more randomness. That has to improve because, again, when you're going against C.J. Stroud and Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, they're not waiting around for you to score points. You've got to be able to keep up. And if that does happen, if, if he can be explosive and get one or two catches a game down the field, which, by the way, is a lot, we're asking an elite amount of production from Jahan Dotson in this scenario, then it doesn't matter if you replace P.J. Mustafer or if Brandon Smith isn't playing well against the run or if Brenton Strange isn't using all of that space created by Dotson. If Dotson's doing all by himself, uh, then you're in, you're in competition. You can mask all of those problems. And by the way, if Sean Clifford is healthy and is playing, even if he doesn't miss a game, Jahan Dotson doing this puts Penn State in the driver's seat in most games that they're playing. And the reason to put a bow on this, that he is number one on our list, is because he can do it. Is because it's the most realistic of these guys to actually step up their game and elevate the play of not only their position, but the team as well. So that's it for your five players that Penn State needs to have step up in the second half of the season. This is the BWI Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. Make sure you subscribe if you want more from Blue White Illustrated on YouTube. Blue White Illustrated on YouTube, you can search us there or wherever you get your podcasts, bluewhiteonline.com as well to get more information on Blue White Illustrated and what you can read from my coworkers over at the site, including Ryan Snyder, Greg Pickle, Dave Eckert, Nate Bauer. We're all bringing you content. Had our bye week, ready to go for the second half of the season. Hope you are as well. This is the BWI Daily Edition. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.